everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast on the World Football Index. I'm your host, Austin Miller, joined as always by Tom Robinson, but we're also joined by World Football Index's Adam Brandon from Santiago, Chile. Tonight, we'll be breaking down Jose Cifuentes, the Ecuadorian under-20 star who's lately been linked with both Manchester City and Celtic. Uh, Adam, it's great to have you on the show once again. I'm sure you are on a high after Chile's successful performance last night in the Copa America. Indeed, I am. I don't, I don't know when this pod will go out. By the time it go out, Chile might be out of the competition as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, pretty happy that Chile have at least made the semi-finals uh, once again of the, of or, the Copa America. Or Adam, they could be lifting the Copa America for a third straight time. Think about the positive, right? Indeed, indeed. Tom, how are you, my friend? You're now the one on the podcast who's not in South America now that I've officially relocated to Buenos Aires. Are you feeling left out? Yeah, just a little bit. I think I'm probably being dubbed a fraud everywhere now, and uh, I'm nervously looking over my shoulder as um, I see that you're moving into my Argentinian territory, starting off with uh, gaining an inside knowledge of excursionistas. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, but I'll be out there soon. Don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, Tom, all I got to say is that when we go to break down the big uh, fourth-tier promotion final that's happening in my backyard tomorrow, I'm going to be the guy they're going to go to and not you, and and I'm sure you're going to feel pretty bad about that. Counting those pesos that are pouring out of my pocket right now. Uh, Adam, I'll come to you first here as we get into talking about Jose Cifuentes. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about his background? He he broke out onto the scene with the under-20 Ecuadorian side, uh, who were South American champions, of course, and then ended up finishing third at the Under-20 World Cup, a great probing ground for players like this. What can you tell us kind of about where Cifuentes comes from and kind of how he started to break out for this Ecuadorian team and maybe a bit about what he's done domestically as well? Yeah, sure, Austin. Um, yeah, so Cifuentes is a player who really caught my eye in the Under-20 South American championships, which were here in Chile in, in January and February this year. Um, he's a he's a very classy, technical and physical central midfielder. Um, just a little bit of background on him, first of all. So he, he's from a small to- coastal town in the north of Ecuador called Esmeraldas. Um, he's moved around quite a lot in his native country as he was growing up, as he chased the chased his dream really of becoming a professional footballer. Um, so, you know, he's already had that kind of experience of living away from friends and family, um, as, as he joined various clubs trying to, trying to win a contract. Um, so I I think this already shows kind of his great determination to succeed. And from what I understand from the Ecuadorian setup, he is seen as a future captain, um, of the Ecuador national team um, because he's already been showing excellent leadership qualities with, uh, with the Ecuador under-20 side. Um, so, yeah, so Fuentes, his club career to date has been... Um, well, he, he, he was eventually signed up by Universidad Católica, the Ecuadorian one, of course, not, not the Chilean one. And... Um, and then from there, he moved to uh, Club, De, Club Deportivo America de Quito. Which also important are, which to reference what? America, the Ecuadorian one for that one as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, and the, this America de Quito 
But they're not one of the they're not one of the bigger clubs in 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 Ecuador. Um, probably sort of medium sized, um, fairly fairly historic, um, but not particularly successful in Ecuadorian football. So he he is thought to be sort of one of their one of their key assets and key players at the moment. Um, but it's interesting that he hasn't yet shown the level of performance for his club side um, compared to what he has shown in an Ecuador under-20 shirt to date from, from, from the comments and from the footage I've seen um, of, of him playing in, uh, in, in the Ecuadorian top division. So it could be interesting how he develops there. But Tom, he's already being linked with with a few moves, no? Yeah, he's um he's he's one of these really interesting players in terms of um certainly he's a player that I'd never heard of before the Sudamericano and applied, as you said, most of his trade in, in the second division there. Um but is now looking like he's almost gonna make that leap across across the pond before he's even established himself in the Ecuadorian league. It kind of reminds me a bit of uh Jangel Herrera from uh from a couple of years ago when he kind of came out of nowhere again someone who had played a lot of his club career in in the second division also someone who'd helped his side to promotion like um like Cifuentes has as well um and yeah like like you said that he's been linked with some some pretty big clubs in the in the in the guise of Manchester City and Celtic um certainly I think um Manchester City have got form for this in terms of again the the Herrera uh comparison comes up again in terms of trying to hoover up some of that young South American talent. He's not going to get a work permit. Don't forget, so if he... don't forget Marlos Moreno. <laughs> Marlos Moreno, <laughs> Douglas Luiz, you know, they're, they're not all successes and, you know, it's yet to, well, well, it's yet to be seen how Herrera does. Um, but certainly it looks like he might follow that route of then going on loan at somewhere like Girona would be the obvious uh, choice because he wouldn't get um, a work permit straight away. Um, however, Celtic does have slightly different, or in Scotland at least anyway, the permit laws are different. So they would be able to register, register him straight away. So you'd think he'd be guaranteed, um, you know, first team football at Celtic, not not only because he maybe don't, might not have as much com- uh, competition as he would at uh, Man City, but you'd, I personally think that that could be um, a really clever move. And I'm sure we'll get onto it later, but I think that is really... Um, what a club like Celtic need to do to stay ahead of the game in in the global market is take a chance on these um, young players um, in sort of maybe less fancied leagues, buy them for you know a few million, and then do what they've done with the likes of Victor Wanyama, um, Virgil Van Dijk, sell them for a big profit, get a buy-on clause, and and see where they go from there. So really interesting to see that a couple of British clubs are linked with him. I think um, Lecce. In Italy as well, who've just been promoted back to Serie A, um, have also been linked with him. But yeah, um, very, very interesting that there haven't been more clubs potentially because as as the Under-20 World Cup and Sudamericano uh, are widely watched by scouts and he was, for me, the the best midfielder in the Sudamericano and, and certainly one of the, the key players for Ecuador as they got to the 
well, we've got that third place finish in the under twenty World Cup. You, th- you would have thought that maybe a few more clubs would have been interested in him. Yeah, you're, ne- you're never sh- you're never sure exactly what's going on behind yeah behind the scenes. Maybe there is a a big scramble for him, and only sort of a few things are being linked uh, leaked out to the media. Um, it's interesting what you say about his performances, contrasting it with the sort of Americana and, and the World Cup, because whilst I was watching the World Cup, I, f- I felt that he wasn't quite at the same level he was during the South American Championships. But I did notice that the people who were watching him closely for the first time in Poland at the Under-20 World Cup all came, around, all came away from it wowed by his performances. So maybe it was just sort of his, you know, I'd set very high standards for him in the South American Championships. And then, you know, there, there was a very slight dip there, but for the majority of people watching him for the first time, they, they wouldn't necessarily know. Yeah, so Tom, when you do watch him play, what kind of stands out to you in the midfield? Uh, he scored a screamer in that under-20 World Cup against the United States. What a strike that was. Really enjoyed watching that one go in. That's the, the one where you, you watch it on the video and you watch the highlights and you just kind of keep playing it over and over because it just looks that good. It won goal of the tournament. Yeah, as it should have, rightfully so. Uh, but Tom, what kind of stands out to you about Cifuentes when you watch him play and how do you kind of see that fitting in with, with some of the clubs maybe he's linked to and maybe his future outside of the, the under-20 setup in Ecuador. Yeah, he's, he's actually a, a really sort of varied and interesting midfielder. I think when you first look at him, you think, OK, this is going to be fairly standard box-to-box or slightly defensive midfielder. But he can actually do a lot more than that. You know, he's I wouldn't call him just a destroyer or just a deep-lying playmaker. He's, he's kind of got the traits um, of both. Obviously, when he was younger, he had a lot of um, experience and playing in defence and fullback, um, so he's very versatile, and I think that's helped him have quite a well-rounded game. He's got a very good variety of passing, controls the tempo well. He's um, he's strong. He's got intelligent positioning, um, and you know, as as you mentioned there, he's got a decent shot in his locker as well. He's, he's not someone who scores a lot of goals, but um, yeah, he's he's got got that shot in his range. But I think the thing that really stands out for me, um, and sort of Adams alluded to it already, is his sort of personality because he's a leader on the pitch, off the pitch. He's very resilient as we've, uh, you know, if we, as we've heard about from the fact that he, he was rejected by quite a few clubs for, for not being big enough. I think uh, Independiente del, del Valle um, and also LDU Quito um, rejected him before he ended up at Universidad Católica. Um, and he's, he's someone who's kind of shown that he's got the intelligence and the, and the desire to improve. I mean, after the under 20 to Americano, he, he went to like a sports scientist to see the areas that he could improve, worked really hard, didn't rest on his laurels at all. And has also continued his studies while um, playing football as well. You know, I think they were, he's saying everyone in the Ecuador team kind of takes a mick out of him because he's kind of doing his homework and while they're playing on the PlayStation. So he's someone who, for me, really stands out as a, as a really strong personality, as well as those obvious physical and technical um, abilities uh, that he's got there. Adam, what what, uh, what would you say? Yeah, so just talk a little bit more about the kind of role he played for Ecuador, um, for Ecuador's under-20 side. So first you got to explain, I guess, that Ecuador set up in a 4-2-3-1 formation for the 
for the under 20 um, South American Championships and for and for much of the World Cup as well. And Sefuentes' role in the side meant that he had to be very disciplined in his positioning. He was operating in the first line of that midfield and his role was very much to give balance to what was quite an attacking Ecuador side. Um, so, yeah, he, it, it was very much fo- his play was very much focused on the defensive side of the game, um, which is why he possibly hasn't scored as many goals as you would possibly expect, given the quality that he can offer further up the field as well. Um, but yeah, if, if you look at his stats in terms of um, tackles and defensive duels and interceptions, you know, he, in, in both the tournaments and even in the Ecuadorian league as well, he's coming out very high in the success rate of, of those duels and um, and very high in sort of the the number of interceptions per game and the amount of aerial duels won as well, um, which isn't kind of normal for kind of any kind of average centre midfielder. These are all kind of you know slightly above what you would expect of a 19-year-old player. Um, I think the other interesting thing and what caught my eye when I first started watching him was how composed he looks on the ball. He does almost look too relaxed at times. Um, certainly the way he kind of spreads the passes around. He, he, he looks, you know, that he's got, that he's um, sitting back in a deck chair playing, playing the passes. He's, he's so laid back. Um, but yeah, he, I, th- I think Tom summed it up excellently early. You know, he, he's able to dictate the tempo of matches with that composed nature on the ball and his range of passing. As I mentioned earlier, he's also got excellent control, technical ability, and those leadership qualities that we've talked about as well. He is physically imposing um, as as well. Despite, it's, it's interesting because to me, he looks bigger, like when you watch him in the flesh compared to when I've seen him on television. Or, yeah, definitely. Or, you, you think that he's like this, you know, like a, a yeah, really big physical presence, but actually he's sort of deceptive. He's one of those players that, yeah, everything about him, just his positioning, his his personality, kind of makes him seem like he's everywhere and really dominating. But he's yeah, he's he's a bit sort of shorter and slighter than than maybe he first appears, isn't he? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and um, yeah, so overall, I I definitely see Sefuentes as kind of the the biggest talent in the in the in the Ecuador under twenty side and and that's saying quite a lot because this Ecuador under twenty side who won the South American Championships and came third in the world this year have a lot of talent in their in their ranks. And given the struggles of the Ecuador senior side at the moment, I think we're gonna see Quite a few of these appear in the Copper America 2020 next year. And Austin, you're based there in Argentina, so, so oh, I think I, I think Ecuador might be in the Colombia zone. Actually, I know, it would have been a perfect rude. setup for that, you. That's right that link. Oh, I thought that was going to be a good link, but no, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> um, I think Ecuador are in, in 
in a really interesting spot, and you guys kind of alluded to it. They were dreadful at this Copa America, but they have this young generation. I think we could see a bit like what we saw with Venezuela, where they were successful at the youth level, and then that kind of started to filter up to the national team, and now they're certainly much more of a player on the South American stage. I think we could see that with Ecuador as this next World Cup qualification cycle kind of goes on. I don't know that they'll challenge for qualification itself, but you could see them as a potential thorn in the side of a side like, like Chile or, or Paraguay or, or Peru or Argentina even as they go towards qualification at the end. They, they may not be the walkover that they were at the start of qualification. And I like the point you made about Cifuentes, Adam, that he always looks like he's in control when he's playing. You know, it, it always he's kind of Yeri Mina-esque in that, in that he never really looks like he's exerting himself. And that doesn't mean that he's not. It's just kind of the, the control that he plays with. My question for you, Tom, is do you think that could maybe hinder him as he moves out of maybe a more youth-based setup where he's playing with players who are his, his age or younger or maybe just a bit older and into a full professional league like perhaps he could find himself in in Scotland where he's, he's playing against a lot of veteran players. Do you think maybe that could be something that opponents would look to take advantage of? There's obviously going to be uh, an adjustment period needed. Uh, the, you know, the step up in intensity, going to a new country. I mean, there's so many off the field factors you have to take into account as well. And as well, you know, even though he's not played a lot of top flight football, um, you know, he, he, he's got a decent spell um, with America de Quito. I know it's not the highest level, but you know, you, South American football at domestic level can be pretty punishing and, and brutal in, in the physical side of the game. So I, I don't think that's necessarily going to be an issue. And he's he's shown that he can mix, um, mix it with the, the best youngsters from around the world at his age group. So, yeah, it would definitely be um, very interesting to see how he settled in. But I think somewhere like Celtic, where expectations going to be high, you're not going to be given too many chances. But at the same time, the quality of the league isn't as high as you know, going into the Premier League, for example, or any any of the other sort of top uh, European leagues, as it were. So I think that's why, for me, it would make great sense not only for Celtic, who could yeah really make a, a very decent profit on him, but also in terms of his career path, um, would make sense to go to a a club where he's going to be playing regularly. He's going to be exposed to a new style of football. Um, but, you know, maybe not have the the searing pressure of, you know, playing for a big club in the Premier League. Um, so he's, he's definitely not the finished article. And I'm sure there's elements of his game that will be honed and refined. But um, I don't think the overly, com- you know, his composure on the ball is uh, necessarily something that's going to mean that he's a sloppy player who's going to get caught out. I think it's just a, a sign of his class. And, you know, you saw that in the Sumericano, the amount of times he just you know, lift the ball over a tackle and then just glide forwards. I think it's yeah more of a sign of how mature he looks on the pitch for someone of his age. I mean, that was definitely what came through in, in certainly the Sudamericano, where I agree with Adam. He, I think he's shone more in that than the World Cup, not to say that he had a bad World Cup. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's uh, something that he, he's going to work on, but is more of a positive than a negative. Adam, what do you think about a potential move to Celtic? How, how would you see that for him or maybe a club like that as opposed to a move to a club like Manchester City where you would assume he would kind of go on that that loan out process for a little bit? I think if I was to advise him, I think I would probably say it is perhaps better to go to a club in Spain or Italy to begin with where perhaps the, the culture shock isn't isn't quite 
so big both on and off the off the field. Uh, yeah, this is an intelligent guy. We've already, and Tom spoke excellently earlier about you know how dedicated he is to his study. So he, you know, he's obviously quite a well-rounded character. But I think it would still probably be beneficial just to have a kind of a stepping stone move into maybe a more familiar language and culture to begin with um, off the pitch and also perhaps a little bit of a familiar um, culture on the, on the field as well that you get more in Southern Europe um, compared to a league like Scotland where I think that could be throwing him into the deep end, especially for a massive club like like Celtic where you know the, the demands every week are, are so high. Also, I'm not sure exactly, I, I don't know if you know this, Tom, but work permit-wise, um, ultimately, you know, Scotland is in, the, is in the UK, so I'm not sure how easy it would be for him to get a work permit. Um, and I believe he doesn't have any kind of, you know, European passport links or, or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, from what I've read, um, that I think even though maybe the work permit you know obviously being in the uk it's going to be similar but i think they're they're slightly relaxed when it, in terms of the football the permit laws are slightly different in scotland so um from what i've read from certainly from scottish publications they seem to think that um they had, they would be able to register him straight away whereas obviously city would have to get him on loan for for a couple of seasons at least but yeah it's, it's gonna be interesting um I, i'm still favoring him to to go f- go for the celtic option end up in Southampton in two years and then get snapped up in four or five years time by one of the big clubs in, in Europe. That's, that's my, uh, my, uh, prediction for him. But I think, uh, somewhere, you know, obviously having the less of a language barrier in Spain would, would be, you know, very helpful to, to ease him in. Um, and I, th- I think, you know, the idea of going somewhere like Syria would also, uh, be, a perfectly viable option. And I'm, as I said before, I'm sure there are more clubs that are looking at him because the fee that's been quoted, you know, sort of two and a half to 3 million seems like ridiculously low. I mean, what, what do you make of that, Adam? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause you, cause I've, yeah, I think this has come up quite a few times in the South American football show and on your scouting, po- scouting spotlight podcast that we're doing here. Um, Ultimately, you know, if he's Brazilian or, or even Argentinian, you know, as a, how much exactly would this Cifuentes be worth, you know, after having, you know, having been one of the best players in both the South American Under-20 Championships and, uh, and the Under-20 World Cup? Um, you know, historically, the, the top-performing Brazilians and Argentinians, you know, have been worth, you know, a lot more than... Than what's being quoted for for Sefuentes. So yeah, it's, it's certainly fascinating. Tom, we invite Adam Brandon on, and we get a Simon Edwards talking point. What is this Spotlight podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it must do something to our to our I'm not sure. fellow guests. I'm not, I'm not sure Simon invented that point of view, did he? <laughs> I don't think he invented it, but it's certainly one that he's espoused plenty of over the years on the various outlets of World Football Index and other things he's appeared on. At least. Uh, at least him, uh, Adam's not compared him to Ronaldinho or someone like that yet. <laughs> that's true. That's true. 
Listen, guys, we are out of time for this edition of the Scouting Spotlight podcast. Thanks to Adam, especially, for joining us. Uh, be sure to follow the World Football Index on social media for all the latest from us. All that's left for me to say is thanks for listening and goodbye.